Hi, and welcome to Effective Storytelling. Our five-minute stories have one key purpose, to connect life to learning in an entertaining way. There are no heroes or villains, just ordinary people providing extraordinary learning, often making you smile and usually making you think. So, on with today's story. A small problem of size. A manager phoned me to ask if I could come in to talk to one of his supervisors. A couple of the supervisor's team had been to see the manager separately. They were both upset, claiming the supervisor had bullied and intimidated them. The manager couldn't understand this. He knew the supervisor and knew him to be a hard-working, conscientious man who wouldn't harm a fly. The manager had spoken to the two staff members asking for evidence. They both quoted his overbearing manner and harsh way of speaking to them. The manager next spoke to the supervisor, and neither could see any evidence of a belligerent manner or use of language. So the manager asked me if I'd speak to the supervisor and the two staff members. I agreed, and made an appointment to see the supervisor. I knocked on the supervisor's office door, and as he opened it, I knew straight away what the problem was likely to be. The supervisor was a giant of a man, at least six foot four inches, with a sallow complexion and with big, black, bushy eyebrows and moustache. He invited me into the office, but stayed at the door after closing it, leaning on the top of a four-drawer filing cabinet. He asked me to sit down and continued to stand, talking to me from behind my back. I turned to face him and asked if he would sit too, which he did. I then asked two questions. Firstly, did he typically talk with people in his office while standing? He did, and said it helped him concentrate if he walked around. Secondly, I asked for his estimate of the heights of the two women who'd complained. He said they were both quite petite, about five foot three or five foot four. As we talked, his voice was deep and booming, and sounded gruff, though again there was no intent to be so. And as he got agitated for example about a lack of resource, he raised his voice, in frustration, though it could easily be interpreted as shouting. He also tended to jab with his finger or a pen. It was easy to see why others might feel intimidated and threatened in his presence. The solution was simple, and consisted entirely of raising the supervisor's self-awareness. We agreed he'd be better sitting for all conversations, to equalise the height differences, and to consciously work at speaking in a softer, slower tone, and keeping his hands folded in his lap or on the table top. This story beautifully highlights the power of blind spots. The manager, himself about six foot in height, and the supervisor were both unaware of the intimidating power of the supervisor's physique and behaviours. It didn't matter that the supervisor had no intent of intimidating, His physique and tone were enough, combined with his unconscious pattern of standing and prowling when talking and jabbing his finger for emphasis. There are several takeaways from this story. Self-awareness and blind spots. Quite simply, the supervisor was not aware of the impression created by the combination of height, expression and tone. What is very apparent to others is not always apparent to the person concerned. And if there is low self-awareness, 
then it is difficult, if not impossible, for that individual to change the way they speak and behave. Such lack of awareness is sometimes called a blind spot. The individual is either completely unaware of a particular tone or behaviour, or they are aware, but have no understanding of the way it impacts on others. An example of the first might be playing with a piece of jewellery or jabbing a pen, and an example of the second might be interrupting someone because they think it's just adding a contribution and keeping things moving. There are really two remedies to a lack of self-awareness and blind spot behaviour. The first and most obvious is for someone at the receiving end of this behaviour to mention it to the individual. But many do not want to do this, because it sounds critical and might worsen their relationship. But we think offering blind spot feedback is, and ought to be seen as, a gift. If you were doing something that had a negative impact on others, but you didn't know about it, would you want to know? So, if you are then receiving unhelpful blind spot behaviour, recognise that what you are offering is information that the receiver might very well value. And if you receive such feedback, make sure you recognise it as a gift. Because everyone who has a blind spot is inevitably trapped by it, and often only blind spot feedback can set them free. The second option is to be observant, to watch and listen for the response to your behaviours. These responses may indicate all is not well with what you are saying or how you are behaving. Meaning matters. No situation, event or conversation is neutral. Everyone will give a meaning to that situation, event or conversation. And that meaning will differ according to the background, beliefs, experiences and assumptions made by each person involved. So there is a real danger in assuming that everyone present has the same meaning, and worse still, that they have the same meaning as you. So it can be useful in any interaction to be open to the possibility, perhaps likelihood, that everyone involved will have some different meaning to give to what is happening. So in this example, it is difficult for someone who is six foot four to appreciate how he looks and sounds to someone who is much smaller. So a useful piece of advice might be to always attempt to put yourself in the other person's shoes and consider how what you are saying or doing will look or sound to them, especially if you have some awareness of their background. Intent and Interpretation It is easy to assume that what we intend by what we say will be exactly received in that way. But there is plenty of evidence to suggest that this is often not the case. There's a famous saying, the meaning of the communication is the response you get. And in that sense, the intent is far less important and far more vulnerable than the interpretation. Because it is the interpretation, not the intent, that will be taken away and acted upon. Little things make a big difference. Often it's the small things that matter. In this scenario, Staff were unable to dissect the particular behaviours and tone of their supervisor and simply generalised their anxiety as how they were managed, which of course is open to massive interpretation and could mean any number of things. But what was actually producing the anxiety were small things. Unequal height, body language, tone, all easy enough to fix. So two things follow. Firstly, Beware of generalizations and don't base assumptions on them, which might be invalid. And secondly, 
drill down for the specifics, because they are the usual cause, and also easiest to fix. Feedback and Motivation In this story, the supervisor acted immediately on the feedback, and relationships immediately improved. In order for that to happen, the supervisor not only needed to get the feedback, but also to see its justification and importance. So in giving feedback, particularly feedback you want the other person to act on, make sure it provides the motivation for action, which usually means minimizing the negative consequences of current behaviors and or benefiting both themselves and those directly affected by current behaviors. Remember, you can search lots of stories at effectivelearning.co.uk forward slash storytelling. Browse over 50 themes to find the perfect one. You'll also find transcripts and downloads of every story. And of course, if you enjoyed listening, please share and remember to subscribe. And if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at hello at effectivelearning.co.uk